I feel like I wasn't funny. <laughs> we have no we had no funnies or spooks and scares. Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina. And I'm Renee. And this is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today we're sharing our favorite books of 2022 so far. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a quick minute, please consider leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. All of this truly helps other book lovers find us. Hey, everyone. It is the first Tuesday of the month, so we wanted to make sure to invite you to join our Book Talk Etc. Patreon. Patreon is an online membership platform that gives you a way to financially support our small business. For $5 a month, you get access to all of our bonus content, including our newest features, Criminally Booked, and our Discord server. Every month, you'll get at least two bonus episodes from us. We'll share the books we've acquired over the past month in our monthly What's in the Mailbag episode and choose from a rotating list of topics, including books we did not finish, Criminally Booked, and Book Talk After Dark. You'll also get an invite to our live events, including author chats, book club meetings, and Mood Reader Happy Hour. And there's still time to join us for our upcoming Mood Reader Happy Hour. It's this Thursday, July 7th at 6.30 p.m. Central. In addition to all of this, you'll get an invite to our patron-only Facebook page and our Discord server. And I want to jump in and do a an extra Discord plug because this is something I especially look forward to each day. And I mean, we all have a lot of social media. This particular platform is a place that I've been going to. There's a lot of book people who have joined from our Patreon. There's always someone to talk to. The different threads that we have, I'm personally loving our reading parties, which anyone can jump on and say, hey, I'm going to read. I think we talked about that last month. But also, we have a really lively latest read thread going, which is so fun. Just because sometimes, even though I have, you know, I have you, I have people that I can talk to, not always, sometimes just spontaneously, it's fun to to jump on and say, here's what I'm reading. Here's what I love. And know that you know, at any point throughout the day, somebody else might chime in, somebody else might say something and you can, it's just been fun. It's a great place that we've created that I think enables people to pop on and pop off. And that's the thing. You don't have to know everything that you're doing. I'm still learning it, but it's a place to meet other people and find out about some books maybe you haven't heard of, some have some conversations. It's just one of my favorite parts of our extra content. If all of this sounds like something you'd be interested in, head to patreon.com slash booktalk, et cetera, to sign up. And again, thank you for your support. Hi, Renee. Hi, how are you? Oh boy, I am good. I haven't seen you in forever. I know. We, we've been on a little break yes. and we're back and you had vacation, so we didn't get to talk our usual amount of mm-hmm. daily chatting. 
I know. You showed quite restraint when I, I was did. in Mexico. <laughs> and then after a while, I'd be like, where are you? What are you doing? You know, because we usually check in several times a day. But I have a lot of books to share. I did a lot of reading. It was nice and relaxing. But I'm really excited to share our halfway favorite books today. Oh, I'm so excited. And we're going to use our book talk today to share a little bit about our process for this and how many books we've read and how easy or how hard it was to narrow all the books down to five. Yeah, it was difficult for sure, at least for me. Um, But before that, I am going to tell you about my loving late week. This is a perfect one for summer, and it is my favorite self-tanner. So this is the Saint-Tropez Express Bronzing Mousse. It's an express tanner. So you put it on. I use rubber gloves, like literally rubber gloves, like medical gloves, rub it all over (laughs) and it's express. So you can leave it on for one hour and then shower. If you kind of want a light glow, two hours for medium, three hours for dark. I go all in and put it on at night and then sleep in it. (laughs) And it's it's great, (laughs) but it comes off on your sheets when you're sleeping. I just do the laundry and it, it does come out. But what I like about this is it gives me the nicest color. It's bronzed. It is not orange. And I find that it's super even. It also does not smell like burnt skin Mm -hmm. like some of them do. It doesn't have a funky smell and it doesn't streak. And I even put it on my face. Like I put it all over and I've never had any problems with my skin. I know they sell these tanning mitts that I don't like. It always seeps through and then my palms get orange. So again, I do it with those rubber gloves. And then when I take the gloves off, I use like a makeup brush and put it on my little hands. And I use that on my hands and feet. And I just love it. It's great. I don't like to be in the sun too much. I'm always, you know, wearing sunscreen because I don't want skin damage. And Mm -hmm. I think this is a perfect way to still look like it's summer, still have a nice color on. I highly recommend this one. I mean, I've tried so many different brands. This one continues to be my favorite. I get it from Ulta. And this is the Saint-Tropez Express Bronzing Mousse. Oh, I like the sound of that. I have never thought about using a makeup brush to put self-tanner yeah. on hands. That's genius. Yeah, because I, you know, because otherwise it gets all, you know, all over the palms or you can just, Well, I yeah. know. When I, and I actually should use the tanning drops I got this summer, but I haven't tried them oh, yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, <laughs> my method was so not as good as yours. I would put some self-tanner on my, the back of my hand and then rub the back mm-hmm. of my hand to the top right, of my together. <laughs> other mm-hmm. hand. Yeah. Right, because you don't want to do your palms. But yeah, this has been great because then you can just kind of, yep, dab it on. I use the makeup brush on my face too with the self-tanner on it. Genius. That's great. I'll link my brush too. My brush was like $2 from Amazon. It's like this. Anyway, I'll share it. It's nice and dense. So that's what I like about it Mm -hmm. um, because it's really, really dense. It doesn't soak up a lot of product. Okay. That's a good one. I am going to go with something book-related for my loving lately, and that is... A website. Well, first, okay, it's a website, but then I'm going to tell you about two separate things. And it's bustle.com, and they have a particular article called Nine Websites for Readers Who Think About Books All Day, Every Day. Amazing. (laughs) I know. I came across this because we have been having some conversations in our Facebook and Discord about my level of research for a lot of what I find for books and and everything. And it got me thinking, and I went down another rabbit hole and I came across this. And the only one I had really heard of, of the nine websites for readers was Goodreads, obviously. Two that really jumped out to me, and I ended up going down 
big rabbit holes on these. One was electricliterature.com. And they are a nonprofit digital publisher whose mission is to make literature more exciting, relevant, and inclusive. And one of their options is reading lists. So I clicked on that and then I started clicking on different reading lists and it was so much fun. You can, I didn't get that far, but I can imagine you can find so many different reading lists. The one, one of the recent ones I clicked on was books set in bars. So that was fun. Perfect. I know. And um, I really visually, I love their website. There is so much there for any type of reader. Really like that. Another website that I have to mention quickly is called Cover Spy. This website, get this, it's a team of book spies who hit the subways, streets, parks, and bars to find out what New Yorkers are reading now. So they, that's cool. Isn't that fun? They only show the covers of books and then they'll have random facts about the location of where the person was reading and short description of the person who was reading it. That's cool. Isn't that cool? Because yeah, I, I can't believe I've never heard of this. Yeah. Cover spy. So anyway, um, though both of those will be linked in this main bustle.com article that I will be linking to, but I thought that was super fun. I just was on a walk with Darren the other night and an evening walk with Vinny and someone was reading on their back patio. And do you know, I was dying to know <laughs> what book she was reading. Mm-hmm. Like, so how isn't, I thought that was so fun that we could just scroll through and see a bunch of like books that people in New York City have been reading. So anyway, that loving lately is a bustle.com article called nine websites for readers who think about books all day, every day. That is perfect. And it surprises me not at all that you came across this in your (laughs) (laughs) book research at the resort. I was just at, I was, first of all, I made a couple friends by just talking about books. I'm like, what are you reading? And one of my, uh, one of the fellow people on the trip I didn't know beforehand was reading Project Hail Mary. And it was so all week or you know, it was it was great. She was like, I'm 30 percent in. I'm 60 percent in. Like we oh, both fun. loved that book. So it was fun to like have someone to talk books with real time. But yeah, anytime someone was at the pool reading, I was kind of like peeking. I'm like, what are you reading? A lot of uh, mainly I saw a lot of Colleen Hoover. I saw where the crawdads sang, mm. you know, we're okay. sp- I feel like someone should hire us to be the spies. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, I feel like be we'd be fun. like really good at that. The, um, <laughs> the thing that really stumps me that really and, and just makes me even more so want to know what they're reading is when people are reading on their Kindles at the oh, pool. Oh, right. Oh, I just... I. What do you got? I need to know. What What are you reading? If I can't see the cover, I need to know. <laughs> I don't know why it's so enchanting. Like, same thing on the train. If I can't see someone's cover, I'm like... Or if they're reading a Kindle, I'm like peeking down. Like, I got to know. I know. What is it? I don't know. That, isn't it? I know. We're not the only ones because I know oh, everyone. I know lots of people... I know a couple of folks were were laughing at me in the pool with my paper copy of Mary Jane. And they're like, wow, that's pretty dangerous. I'm like, Uh I know. And I dunked that book on accident. Like, I I was like, this was dumb. The next day I had Mary Kubica's book. I was good with that one. That one did not fall in. But yeah, I dunked a little bit of Mary Jane. But I thought, you know what? Now I'm going to look at it on my shelf and think, oh, I was in Mexico when I was reading that. So I don't mind a little, a few scars on my books. Exactly. Let me tell you about my latest read. And all right. Spoiler, I loved it. Oh, <laughs> this good. was On Rotation by Shirlene Obobi. And the star of this book is Ghanaian-American Angie Apaya. 
She has spent her entire life being the perfect immigrant daughter. She is in medical school. She's dating a handsome lawyer and has a great group of friends. And she's always held it all together until now. The book opens. Her boyfriend has recently broken up with her. And she has actually bombed this test that will determine her future. Like, if she doesn't score to a certain level, she can't pursue certain specialties in medicine, and she didn't do very well on it. And her best friend and roommate kind of pulls away from her because she is fed up with Angie being so self-absorbed, understandably with medical school, but she kind of says, listen, this is not healthy for me anymore. So now Angie's living by herself. And she's crushed. She's like, everything is falling down around her. She's finally starting to put up some barriers with her very overactive parents. And she's trying to do the thing she's always done, which is work twice as hard to get half as far, but that has not been serving her. So she goes on this walk in Chicago. It's set in Chicago, which I love. Comes across this art garden in Pilsen, which is a a neighborhood in, in Chicago. She runs into a man named Ricky Gutierrez, who is a thoughtful and gorgeous artist. And she's crying and they kind of have this almost a meet cute, but with depth. And they have this wonderful day together. He's almost like a puppy. He's like, come on, let's go to this fair or whatever. And he, you know, they end up having this really fun day together. But then it turns out even he is a problem. That's the basic setup. Really, that's the that's the premise. And you kind of get to watch Angie as she processes, as she navigates her life, navigates friendship, navigates relationship. But I loved it. The characters felt so real. It had great dialogue. They're like in their mid-20s, and it felt like how they would actually speak. It wasn't like, I don't know, it didn't felt put on. It felt very authentic. I love the medical school aspect, but it also had a lot of real life just hanging out, studying elements as well. She felt like a very full character. I've read a few books where doctors are kind of this one-track mind, wonderkin, brilliant med student. And it was cool to see Angie, who is brilliant, but also well-rounded as a main character. She explores the pressures of being a child of immigrants, and I love hearing about her Ghanaian culture. She also talks about imposter syndrome and feeling like she doesn't belong in med school and is going through this quarter-life crisis that I think a lot of people go through in their early 20s. This wasn't neat and tidy, nor was it cheesy. I think it's more contemporary fiction than romance. So know that going in. It's not pure romance. There's a lot of just real-life elements to it. Not a ton of spicy scenes, which I prefer. (laughs) So it was really much more about the relationship between the two, do will they, won't they, between her friends and just watching her get her life together. I listened to this on audio, thought it was excellent, really well narrated by Mela Lee. I highly recommend this book. It is On Rotation by Charlene Obobi. Oh, good. All right. I'm going with something for my latest read that I think I've mentioned so many times before, and I finally actually got to read it, and that is Look Closer by David Ellis. Comes out today, July 5th. Yes, I mentioned the, I think this was a a book on the radar. No, not a book on the radar, a shelf edition. And then I mentioned it on our novel Suspects, Cocktails and Crime Fiction. I have not read this author before. So this was the story about Simon and Vicky, who seemed like a perfectly normal couple. They are the ones, you'll remember, they live in a wealthy Chicago suburb. He's a respected law professor. She's an advocate for domestic violence. 
They have a stable, if unexciting, marriage. However, nothing is as what it seems. So the plot in this story revolves around an opening scene murder, which was the absolute perfect way to set the scene and pull me in. You know right away that it's possible that Simon and Vicky either knew the person, were involved, and so immediately questions start swirling. The story continues with a very specific mix of secret affairs, a $20 million trust fund is at stake, there are decades-long grudges and obsessions with revenge all around. There are there is so much deception in this story. This is very much a who is telling the truth and what exactly is the truth because the initial parts of the story are told in alternating perspectives between Simon and Vicky and then later on a detective named Jane will be introduced. I was so, I was fascinated by the story. I was inter- interested in the story. However, this took me over like almost six days to read, <laughs> which is insane for yeah. a psychological thriller that I was into. I was definitely into it, but the way that the story is told, because we get a we get a lot of threads that come in. There are many other characters introduced, and I don't want to tell you who they are or what they are or how they factor in, but know that it's not just Simon and Vicky. Other people come in. You really aren't sure how they fit, who is unreliable, and who is actually maybe legitimately telling the truth. So if you like that type of story, definitely this could be for you. But at 464 pages, I felt every single page. And it was really weird. I was trying to figure this book out because he did such a great job of building suspense and tension and doubts. However, it could have been much shorter and I think would have like effectively picked up the pace and made it a fast-paced psychological thriller versus having a lot of the repetition. Like I think I started to lose patience with the story. So that could be me. But I do think that there's a place for this if you are if you as a reader are willing to be patient because it did go to places I had no idea. So I really appreciate that. I mean, I've said repeatedly, I'm not a great detective. So I really liked where he took this story. I wasn't crazy about having Jane, the detective, be not the sharpest detective I've ever come across. I wish that, I wish that if we're going to have a detective that they actually are presented in a way that they know what they're doing. Um, that, but that just bugs me. I don't know. I like it. I recommend it. I think I land, I think I'm landing in the three to 3.5 star range category based on the synopsis. I would have expected that I would have liked it a little bit more, but I definitely am in the minority on Goodreads. This is five star after five star after five star after five star. So any take that, you know, take my review for 
just a, a grain of salt. That was Look Closer by David Ellis. Oh, interesting. Look Closer. I feel like there was a few books titled that. That's why when you first said it, I was like, it wasn't ringing any bells. Oh, I don't know. The title is great as far as you gotta, you have to look closer at all of these people. But the problem yeah. is he, he really does such a great job of providing so much uncertainty that even I looked closer and I still didn't know who was, who was telling <laughs> like, the I don't truth. know. Couldn't, couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <clears throat> no, I think it's, I think it's worth it. I just wish it would have been shorter. Yeah. That's a lot of investment for a, like a thriller. Like you want it to be more taut almost when you're reading books like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't love a bumbling detective myself. I'm like, or not bumbling, but like, I, I want them to be sharp <laughs> on it. I, yes. That's what I want too. I do. Unless there's a reason. I'm so pick. We're so picky with these books. Yeah. But there really wasn't a reason for her. But anyway. All right. Well, I'm glad you brought that for us. So we have a lot of goodies to share today. So let us jump right into our list. We originally thought we would do 10 each, but then we kind of sat back and looked at what we did last year. Last year, we brought five. And I was like, it actually was kind of fun to narrow it down to just five. Like you, we're not bringing you know, the, the top 10 books. It really is just the five. And for me, that's a lot. I know you and I both probably are reading the most books we've read mm-hmm. ever. Yep. I've read 72 so far this year. Okay. I've read 67, which I'm floored yeah. by. I've never read so that many. much by so mid-year. Many. But I do have so much fun. You know, I've asked myself, okay, what books immediately before I go back and look at, I, I like, counted all of my books. I have them listed. So I knew I had read 67. But then I say, all right, what stands out? Before I even really start looking anything up, what characters, what plot, like who am I still thinking about when I think of favorite books? How do you, how did you go about figuring yours out? Similar. I was trying to pick the books that I'm going to remember that have some unique aspect that have some aspect that I can't stop thinking about, whether it's a character, it's a plot, if it's a what would I do type of situation. I went to my book journal in my iPad and, you know, each book has its own page. And so I kind of went down the line and highlighted the ones that I'm like, all right, this is a contender. I loved this book. This is a contender. And I think I initially had 11 books on that list. So I narrowed it down further from there and whatever, you know, kind of just decided, oh, what really are the ones that will stick with me that are remarkable? And it's worth mentioning, these are not books that are only published in 2022. These are from all of the books that we read. So for mine, I have at least one backlist. I would have had backlist had we done 10. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yours are all brand new. I want to say, yes, mine are all 2022, which is shocking. And it is, it is really shocking because I have read some really good backlist, but the other crazy part about this, and I did not even realize this until I was finished putting these notes together. Every single one of mine is a debut. Oh no, I take that back. Sorry. Cut. Every single one except one is a debut. So I have four out of five books. Debut. Debut. Love it. I did not intend to do that, which is crazy. I mean, here's what stands out to me 
for, for my picks. Characters, a plot aspect that I can't stop thinking about, and how I felt when I turned the last page. So that's what like say has stayed in my memory is a lot of my reaction to finishing it. And then if I'm still thinking about it six months later with, with a couple of these, then they just had to be in my top five. At first yeah. I thought there's no way I'm going to be able to narrow these down to five, but then it turns out I could. <laughs> I know with apologies to some of the honorable mentions. Right. How has your reading been going so far this year? Good, but I think I've stalled a little bit in June. And I don't know why exactly. Only I think because I have not been able to hit on exactly what I'm in the mood for. And we took a little break from topic reading, which really left me <laughs> floundering. You would think like, and I, I think know. we both said, oh, we could read whatever we want with free reading. And then, and then I kept picking up books that I would read a chapter or two or three. And then I'm like, I don't know. I'm not into this. I'm not into this. <laughs> yeah. And then that can quickly spiral into a reading slump a little bit. So I don't know. Yeah. I've, mine's been pretty consistent. I've been reading a lot, like a lot of books. I'm averaging almost like it's like 11 to 12 books a month, mm-hmm. which is way more, used to, used to be eight to 10. So I don't know why that is. I'm pleased with the number of nonfiction I've actually read so far this year, about uh, 12. Oh, that's, so that's a not lot. Bad. Yeah, that's a lot of nonfiction. Um, usually I do that toward the end of the year, but I'm happy that I've been able to sprinkle it in throughout. And I've also been happy with my balance of new release and backlist. I'm usually just straight up new release, but this year I feel like I've uh, done a good balance. Yeah, I. I have noticed in the summer, I'm usually in a thriller mood, but I have been less impressed with a lot of the thrillers I've been picking up. And I think I'm having better luck in the first six months and then especially in the summer with um, character-driven type of stories, which I would have not expected of myself. But And I'm kind of gravitating a little bit more towards that. Even though that was different than when we started the summer, I do think I'm in the mood for, yeah, I want to be, I want to be in a story that spans some time. Yeah. Whether that's new release or backlist. And I, I do want to start reading some more nonfiction and get some more of that in my reading rotation. I want to try and find more five star, like more books that suck me in Mm -hmm. right away and get better about saying, nope this isn't going to be it. Even if I was looking forward to it, because my problem is if there is a book that I was really excited about and I started and I'm like, meh, not into it. I'll keep going because I'm like, well, maybe, maybe. And then I think about it though. My goal is always to bring not always, not just the best of the best books to the podcast, because I know sometimes it's fun to have a book that people are curious about to see what we think about it. But really though, if we're reading, especially for like a topic, I'm like, I want to bring the best backlist book club books mm-hmm. that I can possibly find just so that, you know, we're having really, really good content for for everyone. So my goal is to try and find books that really just suck me in right away, go a little bit slower <laughs> and really enjoy my, not that I'm not enjoying it, but just really kind of savor some books and more diversity. I always try and keep an eye on if I'm reading widely, if I'm reading authors from a lot of different perspectives, and I think I could do better going forward for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think I'm with you on wanting to continue to look for outside of my comfort zone reads Mm -hmm. and making sure, yes, I'm reading not just debut authors because I seem to have (laughs) been reading a lot of those and not just mysteries and thrillers. I want to go in the second half of the year more towards some international Authors, Ooh. I want to go back internationally and get some more. Um, I feel like I've lost focus because I do. I love international. Yeah, you do thrillers and Nordic noir, but also family, international family type of stories. So I, I we have not. I swear we've not brought like a family dynamic book in eons. <laughs> like it feels like we have not had very many of those. I know. Well, I have, and I have one in my pick today. Yeah, I I think I have one, sort of. It it touches on that, but... Yeah, I want to get back to that. So I think the second half of the year will be good. I will continue to DNF quickly. Yeah. Someone remind us of these goals so that we can can remember that, hey, this is what you wanted to focus on. I need to write this on a page in my reading journal to like be like, hey, remember you said this. But let's jump into the book list. And I put mine in no particular order except for my number one. We have not shared this with each other in advance, and we did bring a couple of backups just in case we have overlap. And these, again, are the top five books that we read this year in 2022. So of my 72 books, these are the ones that rose to the absolute top. I'm so excited to tell you about my number one. I literally am buzzing. I'm buzzing. Are you starting with your number one? I'm going to start with number one. You want to do a countdown? Yeah, let's do a countdown. Okay, cool. Well, now I'm not buzzing anymore. (laughs) All right. For my first book, I will actually bring the first book that I read in 2022. This is Migrations by Charlotte McConaughey. Up until recently, this was my favorite book of the year. And I will tell you what Mm. took its place toward the end. So Migrations is set in the near future. And it's a little bit of a climate change story because climate change has really taken its toll on and nearly all of the world's wildlife is extinct. Franny Stone is the protagonist. She's a bit of a wanderer, and she arrives in Greenland with a singular purpose, to follow the last Arctic turns in the world on what might be their final migration to Antarctica. She basically befriends this group of fishermen and talks her way onto their boat, and they set sail. That's the premise, and throughout the story, we come to know more about Franny's history as well as the history of the other people on the boat. You just get drawn into these people. There's a passionate love affair. There's an absent family, a devastating crime. And we figure out Franny's got secrets. And she has to grapple with some of the things that happened in her past. This book is gorgeous, really thought-provoking, really readable. And if you want a book that will make you sit down and think about the meaning of life, this will do it. No hyperbole. I absolutely adore this book. Um, and it's Migrations by Charlotte McConaughey. Okay. Wow. I still need to read that. And this is yeah. going to be interesting because I am wondering how many books you're going to bring that I haven't read that then I'm going to be dying to read. Tons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're your picks. Okay. I am going to start with one that I read way back in January also. And I'm Still thinking about it. We recently talked about it in our Patreon. It's Like a House on Fire by Lauren McBrayer. Yeah, I mean, this is just one of my favorite books this year. This is the story of Merritt, a mom of 
two young kids who's been married to her husband, Corey, for 12 years. And she's reached a point in her life where she's feeling lost and asking, is this really the life I want? And when she decides to return to her career as an architect, she gets a job working for the Dazzling Jane. And the two of them hit it off and strike up an immediate friendship. But could it be more than just a friendship? And if it is, what will that mean for Merritt's carefully constructed life as she knows it? I pick this. I love this. And what I especially loved about this was that I found it to be so surprising. I found it to be challenging and unputdownable. So I love a good character-driven binge read. And when I can't put a book down because I have to know what happens to the characters, I had to know. Even if I don't always like or agree with them, which was most definitely the case here, I still find myself thinking about these characters months later. I think about this story. There's also an aspect to the story. The author managed to pull off what I thought was such a huge surprise in the story that I didn't see coming. And for that reason also, this book has stayed in my memory. The story has stayed in my memory and it was easy. It was easy to put this one in my top five. It's Like a House on Fire by Lauren McBrayer. I agree. This book is fantastic. I loved it. And it was one, like I was just saying, I started listening to it, couldn't put it down. Like I was like, nope, I need to find stuff to do Mm -hmm. around the house to finish. I highly agree. Like this would have been in my top 10 for sure. But I was like, I know this is your baby. (laughs) (laughs) And you brought it. Yeah, you brought it early. Like you brought it, like you said, you read it in January. Yeah, this was a January read because I brought it to our very first advanced screening episode Mm. in January. Excellent pick. All right. Let's go a little dark. Okay. And <laughs> next for me is The Good Son by Yu Jung Jung. This is, again, my darkest pick, but it made my list because it is so original, so disturbing. And I'll be thinking about it for a very long time. This is a book uh, in translation. It was the author is South Korean. And the book opens with Yu Jin waking up to a strange metallic smell. And he appears to be covered in dried blood. And a lot of it, much more than you would expect from like a random fall. Like there is a ton of blood. He doesn't remember what happened the night before. And he has no idea why he's covered in blood. But then he discovers his mother's murdered body lying in a pool of blood at the bottom of their stairs in their home. He has no idea what to do. But he decides his best bet is to hide the evidence and pursue the killer himself. This book is twisted. And as a reader, what I loved about it is you're not sure what's up, what's down. You're in the mind of this unreliable narrator, and you kind of come to understand that, oh, we can't trust him. Something's up. And the author builds suspense so well, and we really come to figure out who Eugene is as a character. I love, too, that the author gave the mother a perspective, and we find out her fears through her journal that this child is now reading, because he's reading it to figure out if he can see what happened. There's themes of family, secrets, memory, obligation, privilege. I could not look away. This book is dark. And what I loved, the build. It opens with a bang. You find out what's going on, and then it ends with a bang. So this book is really, really good. It is The Good Son by Yu Jung Jung. Okay, yeah. That reminds me of, of 
when you were talking about confessions last yeah. year, did you, do you feel like that's on this level in darkness? And it's very, very similar. Yes. Darkness. Okay. Yes. I think it's similar, except confessions has multiple POV. This one, you're just in the one. Okay. Got it. Yeah. That sounds really, really good. Okay. Um, my next pick is Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson. Yes. Also a debut. And I listened to this one on audio. And this is about two estranged siblings, Benny and Byron, as they deal with their mother Eleanor's death and her hidden past. Along the way, they will have a journey of discovery that takes them from the Caribbean to London to California and Italy and ends with her famous black cake. I love this story so much. This had so many of my favorite elements. And I especially remember this too, because when I started this book, I was so into it. Eleanor, we do get to meet Eleanor. We hear from her. She sets up the story basically. And then we go back to her past. So it alternates past and present, which I loved. But what was interesting to me also about the story was it kind of ebbed and flowed for me along the way where times I was really more into the historical part, actually, which which was set in the Caribbean a lot and then London. And there were times when I thought, oh, gosh, I think this is too slow. But then it would pick back up. And then by the end, I immediately thought, oh, my gosh, I love this book so, so much. So this is an example for me of something that I know I can end up loving, even if I didn't love you know, every single part. It's the story that stayed with me. Plus, oh my gosh, this is my one. It's probably going to be one of my big picks for the year as far as sweeping story. So when you want a sweeping story, this is it because it spans decades in time, which I love. It has two mysteries. It has flawed, complicated characters, and it's globetrotting. There's a li- and there's also a nice mix of genres here. There's a little bit of historical fiction, a, some romance, mystery, some suspense thrown in, and it's all told in a way that had me excited to find out what happened so long ago and how was it going to turn out in the present day. So loved it. It's Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson. Yes, this is one I have not read, but I definitely, I remember you talking about it. It's in my, the back of my mind. I hope I can squeeze it in at some point because that sounds so good. I hope you can too. I think you're going to like it. Next up is Unlikely Animals by Annie Hartnett. This is another Renee that she brought to the show. And I was like, I got, I've got to read this. This book is the most unique book on my list. It's almost hard to describe because I feel like any synopsis I give doesn't do it justice Mm because it's just so incredible. It's about a young woman, basically, who returns to her hometown in New Hampshire under very strange circumstances. She is home because she has recently dropped out of medical school and wants to be there for her dad, Clive Starling. Clive has been having hallucinations of small animals, and he's also seeing Ernest Harold Baines, who is a real, who was a real person, And it's almost like he's a ghost that's hanging out with his dad. So she gets back home and finds out when she gets there that her former best friend from high school is missing. 
and no one is really doing anything about it. The police have just kind of written her off as another, you know, drug-addicted young person that has gotten lost. But there is one person that refuses to give up no matter what, and that is her father, Clive. I, this book is so, <laughs> I don't know how to say it. As she's driving into town, you come to find out too that there's this Greek chorus of deceased individuals in the cemetery that are offering their perspective. I absolutely loved that addition. I thought the author did such a good job. It's quirky, but not quirky for the sake of being weird. And, you know, it, it's just interesting. The author did a really good job capturing the stress of dealing with a parent that is ailing the desire to fix them, the realization that you can't always do that. And and you see this daughter come to terms with being back home and not really wanting to be there, but feeling like she should be there for her family. What I liked is even though there is some of there's somewhat of a magical realism element to this, the author kept it very grounded because there's also things like the opioid epidemic mm-hmm. that's involved. And there's deep, deep issues here, but it was never overly sad. There was also really beautiful moments of hope about friendship. Gosh, I just loved it. It's a wonderful mother-daughter story. I think you said this. Clive is one of your very favorite yes. characters. Same here. I adored this. Fictional I was saying, man. I adored this man. <laughs> I'm like, he's not real, <laughs> but he feels real. Yes. And that's a testament to the author. I love this book. Give this book a shot. Even if you're like, I don't know, animals, like what? Look, just try it out. I think you will really, really enjoy this. It's Unlikely Animals by Annie Hartnett. Yes, that is in my top 10. It totally is, it. is in my top 10. And and I will remember Clive. Yeah. And he is, he does seem like a real person. True. I mean, he's Clive. Yeah. He's fully fleshed he's out. Clive. And what's so cool is this is set in a real place. And this real place, the author happened to come across it when she was like visiting a friend. She's like, what is this plot of land? And Mm -hmm. she did all this research and figured out, like she incorporated the real people that lived in this area. So overall, it is a story about this town, but she just managed to bring in some really, really thoughtful characters. Yeah. Loved, loved it. Great pick there. Okay. I am, I can't not have a top five that does not include a straight up thriller. I know. Who are you? I know. And, <laughs> and you know, I re- I mean, I have read a lot, but there is only really, truly one that stands out that I knew I, immediately. I'm like this one. It's Dark Horse by Greg Hurwitz. Oh. Also read this back in early February. This is book seven in the Orphan X series. I do think it is very much possible to read this as a standalone. However, if you can and you're inclined to, I would start at book one. You don't have to, but I have read all the books in order. And in my opinion, this is his very best yet. It's about Evan Smoke, aka Orphan X. He is a former off-the-books government assassin turned secret provider of justice to those in desperate need of help. And in this story, he gets his most complicated call yet from a kingpin of a major drug dealing operation in South Texas who calls for help getting his innocent 18-year-old daughter back after she's been kidnapped by a vicious drug cartel in Mexico. That's the setup. That's really all you need to know because trust in Greg Hurwitz to deliver a fast-paced, pulse-pounding 
super creative, edge-of-your-seat thriller because, believe me, he knows how to do it. What I love about this, the level of plotting that he is able to do is so phenomenal. It's filled, the story is filled with flawed, complex characters. Evan himself is so complex. He's so smart, but also we we also get a lot of his personal story. There's some family dynamics, there's some a little bit of romance and I promise you will be so invested in Evan. There is intermixed within the thrills an intricate intricate details about Evan's lifestyle because he lives a very wealthy high class lifestyle. He likes the finer things in life. And I love those details about how he lives. Also, the details related to the level of technology that he uses as far as, I'm going to call it spy-like technology because I don't know another term, but it's amazing. I personally love that kind of stuff. And you can tell that Greg Hurwitz puts in a ton of research. It is so real life. Also, I had to find out what was going to happen to this 18-year-old girl. Now, what he does in this book that is also a little bit different is throw in some really surprising major twists, major, that I did not see coming. I won't even, I'm not, I'm not even going to say where they fell in the story, but I was giving like a virtual clap. He, he, just for, I mean, I cannot tell you. And for this to be book seven, it's my absolute favorite of the series so far. I cannot wait to continue on. It's Dark Horse by Greg Hurwitz. I don't remember you talking about this book on the podcast before, have you? Yes, I brought it. I don't remember. (laughs) Look, you don't remember? I literally like black out. (laughs) I'm like, nope, I'm I'm not going to tune out when I say book seven in the series. I, I think I do a little bit, but I'm glad you like it a lot. I, I know a lot it. of people love this series. I yeah. love it. it. I think I brought it as a latest read back in February. I'm pretty sure it okay. was a latest read. Okay. All right. Well, that's fair. But, man, if I could only convince you, I think you would. I really listen, think you would. I know. Listen, I already read Karen. No. Listen, <laughs> I already read Sharon Bolton book one. I, know. I still got four more books in that series. So. I know. Maybe next year. Okay. <laughs> this is my next book is a book that you, I think, will want to read. I actually don't want you to read it because I'm scared you won't like it. Okay. Um, it's The Violin Conspiracy by Brandon Slocum. Oh, yeah. No, I think you'll like it. I think you'll like it. This is about Ray McMillan, and he is a black classical violinist on the rise. He's faced a lot of pressure and a lot of prejudice in the classical music world. And then a shocking theft sends him on a desperate quest to recover his great-great-grandfather's heirloom violin on the eve of the most prestigious musical competition in the world. Okay, this is not a traditional thriller. So like, if you're picking this up thinking, yes, I want a thriller, this won't scratch that itch. I would call this more of a literary, character-driven mystery, which are some of my very favorite books. It opens up with a lot of plot. You're figuring out, oh my gosh, Ray's in this hotel room. His violin that he keeps on his side at all times has disappeared. And he's in a panic because this thing is worth millions of dollars. But then the story takes a step back and you get to 
see who Ray is as a person, see who his family is, and basically see how he got to be so talented in this area. And he also faces a lot of prejudice within the classical music community and just within the world at large. And there's a lot of layers to this story, and I loved following along and peeling back. And then by the end, it does come back up and you figure out, you get a nice, satisfying resolution. The one for me, the standout for me, is the the creation of this, but also that it feels so personal. The author himself, this is a debut. He is a violinist as well. And so you can absolutely tell that this was in part autobiographical and that he incorporated some elements that he faced. It's a really remarkable story. And I am curious to see if this author comes out with another one because I just, I'm not, I don't know, maybe he will. I hope, I certainly hope he does. I like this a lot. I read it back in February, and I still remember a lot of the finer points. I really, really like Ray as a character. And this is The Violin Conspiracy by Brandon Slocum. Yeah, I had forgotten that you read that. So that was not one I was thinking you were bringing. So yeah. All right. Well, Do you think you'll try that one? Yeah, I think I will. Well, I have a question okay. I want to ask you at the end once we share all our books. Oh, cool. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. My next pick is, is a nonfiction and I'm so glad I'm able to bring one. And this, I still keep thinking about it. It's speak, find your voice, trust your gut and get from where you are to where you want to be by Tunde Oyune. And this is her first book. In it, she takes us through each step of the SPEAK acronym, surrender, power, empathy, authenticity, and knowledge. And in it, Tunde shares the lessons she has learned about loss, love, body image, and how she has successfully created an intentional, joyful life along the way. That might sound like, oh yeah, another self-improvement book. This is, and I've read a lot of self-improvement books and inspirational type of books. This is so different than a lot of the other books that I personally have read. I love this type of memoir because she sprinkles her childhood throughout. It's not done in chronological order, and she intersperses it with other relevant life stories. I was fascinated by her life. I was fascinated by the stories that she shared. A lot of it was very surprising, and a lot of it I I could relate to. I didn't know anything about her. So she is a Peloton instructor, but she has a fascinating story that happened before she became a Peloton instructor and how she, and then how she came about getting that job. I really loved everything she had to say. I love the way she presents it in a super engaging, easy to relate to type of way. She's her authenticity comes across. I learned a lot. I'm still thinking about it. I listened to it on audio. I absolutely recommend that format, but I immediately bought the print copy. It's in my nightstand and it is the book that I refer back to regularly. I'm still highlighting. I still like to pull passages from it. It's still in my mind. And therefore, I knew it had to be in my top five. Had to. It's one that I will keep and recommend and hopefully get others to give a try. Even if you don't think that you are a memoir reader, this is one that I say, give it a try. I think you will find something to like, if not the whole entire thing. So that was Speak. 
Find your voice, trust your gut, and get from where you are to where you want to be by Tunde Oyene. Yes. Thanks for the reminder. This one I'm definitely going to listen to. I know she narrates the audiobook. Mm-hmm. And ooh, yeah, I think yeah. it's, I feel like now's a good time for that. Like that, I feel like I have space for that type of book right it, now. It's not super long. You'll mm-hmm. get through it in it. You know, if you have enough audio time, I, you'll get through it in half a day. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. All right. I like mm-hmm. a quick, a quick read. Yeah. It's time for my number one. <gasps> and everyone, this might be one of my all time favorite books. And I'm not kidding. This is a debut set in a world where everyone can find out how much time they have left to live. This is The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich. And this was a Renee recommendation that she brought all the way back in our summer preview episode in May. And since then, I think you kind of called it. It's blown up. And, and you've, it's been chosen as the read with Jenna Pick for July. Talk about books that just suck you in from the jump. I mm-hmm. listened to this one. I listened to it in two days. Could not put it down. Didn't want to. Was finding things to do and was happy to be doing them because I'm like, I need to keep in this story. One day, unexpectedly, every person in the world gets a small wooden box, and inside the box is a string that tells you exactly the number of years you'll live. And the story follows this cast of characters as they navigate what to do in this strange new world. Should they look at their string? What happens if you have a short string or a long string? Do you live differently? This is not science fiction. I thought this was going to be science fiction when I read it. And there's a little bit of that in the very beginning. But more so, this is straight-up contemporary fiction set in what feels like today's world. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you when you said this feels great for book club. There's so many things that you can unpack. You can have uh, cultural conversations about social justice, about privilege, family. And more than that, I found myself rooting for these characters to find a way to live in these strange new circumstances. There's quite a few characters that you meet. I think there's about seven or eight. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing they have various, some looks, some didn't look, some are long, some are short. And you see them intersect. And I think that's what was part of the fun. Because I'm like, I, when I heard this premise, had a ton of questions. And then as you read the book or listen to the book, I think a lot of those get answered or addressed. And it's one of those I know you love too, where it's like, how would I handle this situation? Mm-hmm. What would I do? I, I can't say enough about this. It felt kind of like Migrations by Charlotte McConaughey. It's one of those what is the meaning of life type books. It's one of those books that just really spoke to me. I I, I can't believe this is a debut, right? I yes. like checked like five times. I'm like, I know. This can, surely not. This surely <laughs> not is this a debut. It's accessible writing, but it's not too simplistic. It's not cheesy. I ugh, I loved it so much. Bravo to the author. I want everyone to read this and talk to me about it. It's The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich. I am so, so, so happy. And it is in my top 10. I It's definitely in my top 10. The only reason it's not in my top five is just because I don't know. I, I think that uh, these others edged it out a little as far as what has stayed in my memory. The concept for this has stayed in my mm-hmm. memory. The concept mm-hmm. for sure. But I remember when I brought it to the show as a book. I don't know. Was it a book on my radar or something? I'm um, sorry. I think I said that. It was your, I think it was your, oh, you brought it in the summer preview episode. Okay. So when I brought it to the show, you said, oh, that's that's a Renee book for sure, which it is. And so I am so happy that it, it's your book too, and that you were yeah. as pulled in 
I think it's a lot more character-driven than I was expecting. I thought it was going to be straight-up plot, kind of action, what's going on, you know, the mm-hmm. rise and the fall and humanity and all of these things. It's got some elements of that, but it's character-driven. It's more about family. How would you handle this scenario? And just making you think about yourself. Right. And the implications. I mean, mm-hmm. who knew how much or how many implications would ripple from those who chose to open the box, those who had short yes. strings, those who had long strings. And I would still not open my box. <laughs> I would. You would, I would open, open yours. It. Yeah, I would open it. Okay. So, yeah. And we have also chosen that to be our next Book Talk Book Club pick in August for our patrons. Yes, we have. I can't wait to discuss with it's, everyone. It's going to be very fun to discuss. All right. I've come to book five, which is also my number one pick so far this year. This was hard, but I Mm -hmm. mean, it has to be Cover Story by Susan Rigetti. Yes. Another debut. This is the story of Laura, an ambitious young girl who gets an internship at a popular magazine in New York City and very quickly gets caught up in a charismatic con artist's scam. This book was nuts on every level and also probably the book I had the most fun listening to. I'm one of the outliers that listen to this. It is not a narrative structure that a lot of people found enjoyable on audio. I did. It is there's a lot of emails and text exchanges and then the FBI has a lot of correspondence in there. So I can totally see why many people chose this, to read this in print. However, I was riveted from start to finish by the story, by the many con games of Cat, who is the charismatic con artist in the story. I was riveted by my frustrations with Laura along the way. I was riveted by the New York City glitz and glamour setting and by the very, very creative narrative structure. And the reason this is my top pick is because any book that causes my jaw to literally drop open when I reach the last page of the book has got to be a book that I will not forget. There's no way I I've never been more confused reading a book, and I've never been more in awe of an author's ability to completely fool me and leave me confused and in awe with my jaw on the floor. So I just, I loved it. I don't, I mean, it's out there. A lot of other, a lot of people have talked about this one. My most like under, I don't know, I didn't expect to love it. So also, I guess my most surprising pick for myself, but That was Cover Story by Susan Rigetti. Mm -hmm. I agree. Unsurprising because I remember I got a physical copy of this. I was like, huh, I've read this before. And then Katie, Basic Mm Bees Guide, was the one that started it, kind of foraged out there for a lot of us and decided, like, wait a minute, it starts out derivative, but no, it definitely takes a turn. Read this one. It's so fun. It's such a good book. Renee, you've influenced my reading so much this year. That would have been in my, that is in my top 10 as well. I knew you were likely going to bring it. So yeah, some of your picks have made my very, very favorites, which I love. And, oh, I you love. Know, not, I'm not surprised, but it, yeah, it just made me happy. I'm like, oh, these are ones that you brought initially to the show, but I'm like, yay, here, I get to share as well. Okay, so, uh, so now that we've shared all of our picks, 
I want to know what of your picks you would choose for me to read first. I would choose The Good Son by Yu Zhang Zhang. Okay. I think you'd dig it. Okay. Yeah. And I would pick Black Cake for you. Oh, I, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, no. And that's, I definitely, that's one of those. I'm like, I have to get to it because it just sounds like a story that I would love. I've not been having great luck with like more uh, family-driven stories this year or like generational multi-layered stories. I haven't found a really, really good one. So I would be delighted if that one works for me. Okay, I would be too. And maybe later on we can, I would love to do a episode where we get to read each other's like several of each other's books because i want i want to read quite a lot of books that you have brought but then i mm-hmm. push them aside because i think yeah. well everyone has heard tina talk about them so i'll yeah. wait i'll wait i'll wait and i want to i want to start reading some so maybe the listeners wouldn't care if we if we did an episode where we read each other's read books each other's and picks. and we get to tell each other honestly what we think of them I think that's a good idea. We can do that toward the end of the year. And uh, we try so hard to not bring any duplicate mm-hmm. books. And I don't know that we've ever had that to where we've both brought one. So, you know, a year plus in, right. I feel like we're we're due. Right. All right. Well, let me tell you about my shelf edition. We'll wrap things up with that. My shelf edition is called Black Tide by Casey Jones. And the reason this one caught my eye, it is a character-driven science fiction horror novel that's said to be like Stephen King's Cujo meets A Quiet Place. Oh, wow. Okay. Tell me more. It is said to just be another day at the beach, and then the world ended. There is this meteor shower, and Mike and Beth were strangers before the night, but the meteor shower brought them together following they have what's said to be a drunken and desperate one-night stand. And the two discover that this astronomical event has left widespread destruction in its wake. And you know that I love like a calamity. I love an apocalypse, that sort of thing. It sounds like they are remote. They're they're in this empty Oregon coast and have to figure out how to get back to humanity, have to figure out what's going on. sounds like there could be like a, a supernatural element to it. All I know, I love character. If you tell me it's character driven science fiction slash horror blend, I'm like, mm, let me let me know a little bit more. So this one is Black Tide by K.C. Jones. Oh, good. I haven't heard of that one. All right, I have something di- completely different than in a different genre than yours, and this is the Manhattan Girls hmm. by Gil Paul. It comes out August sixteenth. I want to read the pitch from the publicist because I think this is what got me. I'll, like the first sentence. Gil Paul presents a 1920s version of Sex and the City. Oh. Done. Hello. I don't need to know anything <laughs> else, but tell me more. This is a story of four well-known women in 1920s Manhattan. You have beloved poet, writer, critic, and satirist Dorothy Parker, who writes for Vanity Fair and The New Yorker. You have Broadway actress, writer, and director Winifred Lenahan. You have Margaret Peggy Leach, who works for Condé Nast and becomes the first woman to win the Pulitzer Prize for History. And Jane Grant, the first female reporter for The New York Times and co-founder of The New Yorker. Talk about big-hitting women. Mm-hmm. And in this story, Dorothy and her three friends navigate life, love, and careers in New York City 
and readers are immersed in the jazz age of New York. This novel is billed as lively, entertaining, and gossipy with views of these accomplished, groundbreaking women, and is said to be for fans of Fiona Davis, Beatrice Williams, and Renee Rosen. Um, I love the sound of this. I'm so glad that it was sent to me, and that is The Manhattan Girls by Gil Paul. Yeah, that sounds right up your alley. Totally. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like access to exclusive bonus content, you can join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash book talk, etc. Thanks so much to our Discord moderators, Zach, Zachary.goodreads, and Genevieve at Genevieve.reading. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. John's going to not be happy about our (laughs) pontificating on air like well i don't know